I have the distinct pleasure and the great honor of talking with Ms. Diana Anderson today for our topic of discussion today, which is leadership in a pinch. Ms. Diana is a master certified coach and I'm one of the founding members of the International Coaching Federation. Additionally, she's a best-selling author, CEO, and the founder of Cilient. Miss Diana, welcome to today's conversation. Thanks, Gary. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you today uh, because I want to make sure that we can help our leaders be able to find ways to maximize the efforts that they put in with their employees, especially when they're under a time crunch. Wherever this, this discussion leads us, that's where we're going to go. So first off, before that, before we get into the boring stuff that, <laughs> that nobody really wants to listen to, they want to know about you because you're awesome. I'm going to ask a personal question. And it's going to be, it'll, some people are kind of scared of these questions, but uh, <laughs> high school Diana, going through high school, getting her first job, moving on up, doing college work and such. None of the jobs that come up in high school job fairs or anything like that talk about coaching. So what drove Miss Diana to become Master Certified Coach Diana? Oh, gosh. What? What? <laughs> Well, I was a coach in high school. I actually coached my own high school gymnastics team and I coached the city gymnastics team. Wow. Recreational. So I started coaching when I was 14. So uh, it's in, it was in my blood, but I ended up becoming a coach, well, for a number of reasons. One is that uh, I had done you know, an MBA and then large scale change management. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was, had left that and was looking for a job and actually had moved a bunch of times and taken some time off to have kids. And I was told I was um, unhirable. Oh. And, uh, but at the same time, I had been introduced to coaching. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, I, read the very first article that was ever written, I think, about what coaching was when I was living in Houston, Texas. And it sounded so much like the work that I had done as a process consultant that I loved. And I thought, well, that's it. That's what I'll do. And I was actually in my early 30s and I opened my practice when I was 33. So yeah, it was just happenstance. I just opened a newspaper article and said, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You were doing coaching in high school and then moved back to it after the fact. Yeah, I've always loved helping people learn um, and supporting people to just get better and do better. So it was a really natural fit. That sounds like it. That's really, that's a, one of the most unique starting stories I've ever heard. So <laughs> it's well, awesome. The industry didn't exist at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those of us that sort of, you know, wandered in uh, to it were drawn by something. So that was it for me was actually reading an article and saying, yeah, that really resonates this. Um, what would be fun? So. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks for yeah. sharing that with us, because that'll add a little bit more, actually a lot more depth to what we're going to talk about as we move forward. I have to step in here, and I have to say something about what we just heard. I was shocked that a former employer told her that she was unhirable 
due to being out of work due to childbirth. It's incredible to me in this day and age what she has achieved because of that setback. Diana's situation is one many of us have just read about in equal opportunity trainings. She could have taken the complaint and succumbed to the ridicule. She's an excellent example of patience and perseverance. Diana understands and exemplifies Roy T. Bennett's quote, never lose hope. Storms make people stronger and never last forever. I can't help but mention, but you had a best-selling book a few years ago called Coaching That Counts. And, and it was a wonderful book. I really enjoyed that book and reading it. In that book, you talk about how organizations that implement coaching as part of their leadership development program actually saw greater benefits and increased productivity than other organizations. So what sets coaching apart from other leadership tools that enables it to provide such a massive uh, cost benefit? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, you know, a coaching that counts was based on ROI work um, that we did on coaching engagements in organizations. And what I think the observation that we came out with, we actually created a model called Leading with Insight. Mm-hmm. And what it showed was that when coaching went through a certain process, so not all coaching is, you know, of course the same, but yeah, what we saw correct. was that if it went through three phases, that it created lasting behavior change. So it had to start initially with sending, with setting a really clear intention, you know, that sort of was a stretch goal. And then it goes through a process of building skills. So what coaching does is really help people build the skills that match to something that's important to them. And then I think the really important part is that you have that person, once they build the skills, go out and actually do something meaningful with those skills that really grounds the work and inspires them to do more. When coaching follows a path like that, it actually really um, cements uh, behavior change, uh, as a, and, and makes learning a way of life. And that's where the huge ROI comes from. I love that. I love it that, that coaching is a way of learning that cements the behavior from the learning that you've got. So I'm just going to clarify when I say coaching. Um, so our, our definition for coaching at Cillian is the translation of insight. So an aha experience into meaningful action. So doing something differently in order to realize potential. Uh. That's it. To me, it doesn't have to be in a relationship. It doesn't even have to be between two people. As long as our focus is an igniting insight that is moved into action with our intention to realize potential, to me, we're in the space of coaching. Okay. And it's that aha experience of learning something new that actually ignites. That's learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you put it into action, that's what grounds it. And when you use that, that's what um, actually myelinizes the learning. So that's the brain work that's going on. And when when coaching is done in that way, it, it teaches people to learn how to learn. And there's uh-huh. nothing more powerful in the world than the ability to learn how to learn, I think. Here in the United States, we go through a lot of public school system where you don't really learn to learn per se. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to attack the school system, but Mm-hmm. They teach us to memorize facts and figures and regurgitate it for a test. Yeah. So it really doesn't change our behavior because most of us don't remember all the facts and figures we learned for the well, test. 
and they change. I mean, that's the challenge <laughs> yeah, I think we're having true. right now is those little facts and figures are not so relevant in the world <laughs> we find ourselves in. And in fact, I think that's why, you know, at Silicon, that's why we focused on making coaching a way of life because in a world that is constantly changing, you've got to have people that can learn how to learn, right? Because, yeah. you know, the, the, the shelf life on, you know, facts and figures and, you know, definitive answers is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, um, we have to be able to learn how to learn. And that's what coaching really unleashes in organizations. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. why it's so powerful, you know, when it becomes a way of life. So you mentioned that, you know, our facts and figures are getting, having shorter shelf life and it helps coaching gets us to learn. Mm -hmm. So when we're applying that in an organizational setting specifically, because we're developing insight. So is that insight that we're developing? Is that stuff, the new things we're learning, or can we also develop that insight for things we've learned previously? And, and how does that translate into our work in the organization? Well, you know, I think what coaching does really well is brings together the person with the learning with other people, <laughs> because your insight comes from your experience in the world, not just the fact experience though, but the intuitive mm. experience that helps you connect with people or helps you see patterns. <laughs> and, and so I think what coaching does is gives people permission to use a part of themselves and a part of their brains that haven't always been as honored in the past. Mm. You know, in the past, so much was about experts and mm -hmm. you know people that had all the right answers. And um, you know, again, in a world that's changing, there are fewer and fewer right answers and much more need to be able to read patterns, to connect with people, to bring who you are into the conversation because coaching only works if it's done with a lot of trust and authenticity. Mm. So you can't just kind of come out of your head and say things. You've got to be the presence that you hold in the moment will make a huge difference into as to whether people will trust you and open, you know, to learning with and from you and take the risk to try something new or whether they're going to be very protected and protective of themselves. So how you show up in the conversation, your intuition to be able to read the, the room and what's going on and your ability to put it together in a meaningful way are, are all elements of coaching and all super important in, in our world right now. That is more so relevant, especially that human connection part of it that you were talking about. You know, I, we're just in a world of trust and right now, because we don't have right, you know, because everything mm. is changing so quickly because so many of the patterns that we've counted on are really breaking up or changing. We're, you know, kind of in a trust fall with each other. <laughs> like we just got to keep moving forward and we've got to do it together. And the more we trust each other, the more risks we can take together. And I think when coaching is really, you know, used as a, a leadership style and a way of life, it creates a space where there's a much higher level of trust and that makes any kind of change happen much more quickly and effectively. At this point in our conversation, I, it really sounded like to me that the leading in a pinch required some buildup time. The leader needed to spend a lot of time before the emergency building the relationship 
and earning trust to maximize coaching's benefits during a crisis. I really wanted to know if I was hearing this correctly, so I asked a question that genuinely fell flat. I got so excited to ask the question that it came out all jumbled up. Thankfully, Diana is an expert interpreter and she compared leadership and coaching to putting money into savings. If you've been coaching someone, you've kind of put money in the bank in terms of having a relationship and building trust and you can cash that in, yes. you know, in an emergency. <laughs> but if you never deposited anything into the bank in terms of building trust with people or, or um, you know, having them feel safe with you, then in the, that moment of emergency, um, yeah, you know, probably what most people will do if they don't feel safe is they'll shut down. In fact, I think one of the reasons we're having so much challenge in some cases, keeping people in other cases, you know, like just sort of being able to address emergencies in the moment is um, our old leadership styles are really built on fear-based approaches. If you Ooh, think about it. That. No, they yeah. do. So we call it the Darth Vader and Jesus style. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what I call it, Darth Vader and Jesus. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and but the only reason people were with Darth Vader was, like, you know, because they were going to lose their head if they weren't. You know? True story. Um, and uh, you know that that's not the recipe for people who are going to work together. In <laughs> I mean, they're being commanded, but what if we all have to? actually make it up as we go along and mm -hmm. because our emergencies now are often just things we've never seen before. So we need to, be right, able yes. to act together True. quickly and our ability to do that is predicated on our, on our trust of each other and, and also the, just the level of, you know, the safety that we feel that even if what we try isn't completely correct, that we're going to be okay. You know, like we're not going to lose our head. <laughs> it's like an Darth Vader moment of this thing messing um, You know, that, that it, yeah. Anyway. That's a good, that's, I like that. That's really good. When well, I, I was going to add, one last thing, go ahead. which cause it could have, could be more like a parable. If you said Jesus was our other, uh -huh. you know, a parable that we learn from <laughs> rather than, you know, a losing of your head. And, and that makes all the difference. I think in terms of people's willingness to, play <laughs> oh yeah no true uh well you know you're gonna get so much out of me as a as an employee and a follower and i'm gonna do just the bare minimum at that point to not lose my head but i'm not going to do more because i don't want my head also to be chopped off for making the boss look bad right so mm -hmm. coaching enables us a way, it gives us a way that we don't we can bypass both of those entirely well, if a leader is using a coaching-based approach to leadership, it means that they're not going to threaten the person. They're going to say, you know, like when an emergency comes, we're going to come together. We're going to, for in my language, we're going to, uh, so our language at, in, at Cillian is called untying the knot. That's our approach to coaching. And so okay. if someone was using that, they would say, okay, well, what's not, what's not happening here? Like we would use that approach as a way of analyzing what our problem was. And then we could use coaching approaches such as curiosity and just asking questions or sharing stories or observations 
to try to discern the pattern of what's causing our problem and where are these leverage points where we could make a change to it. I think there's a lot of things that not only coaching itself, but a coaching mindset teaches us. So, mm-hmm. you know, our Darth Vader mindset to go with that <laughs> is it's like all or nothing, right? We're right or we're wrong. It's, yep. you know, it's like very clear cut. But in coaching, it's like, we'll learn as we go along. We'll, we'll try something. We'll see what happens. We'll learn again. So it's iterative learning, very, very different worldviews. And so a coaching-based worldview of leadership actually creates a lot more space to learn and move. I mean, that's really awesome because the leadership school I was raised in was the Darth Vader school. And, and then, uh, you know, I had a boss once that, that didn't do that. And I was totally amazed. And I love that guy forever because of it. Mm-hmm. He's the one person that stands out indefinitely. And now looking back and listening to some of the things you talked about, he was doing the untying the knot a lot by asking questions. Yes. So what are some specific things that um, a leader can do when they're in that situation, in that moment? They've, they've taken that time and built up that, that cash reserve, if you will, of that mm-hmm. trust. And now they're in the moment. There's multiple things flying at them and there's all these problems going on. They have to be a firefighter. What are some <laughs> things they can do in that moment to try to work through that? Well, I think the most important thing is to get really centered and just really, um, you know, kind of pull their energy in um, so that they become like an island of calm that people can, can you know, almost use to mm-hmm. connect with because your energy um, is, is somewhat contagious. So if they're freaking out and, you know, like really... Um, just spreading a lot of, of anger or frustration around the fear will actually cause everyone to shut down. Uh So the first thing is to get quiet, to get focused, um, to be reassuring, um, you know, just use a tone that people feel comfortable with and bring people together to talk about what's going on and then start gathering your information. Um, It's creating a really open space where, you know, the things that people might not want to say, they feel free that they can say the more information you have, the better, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing about the Darth Vader approach is nobody wants to say anything that Mm -hmm. could make the situation worse. But if the situation is calm and we're open to hearing, then people are more likely to give you the kind of um, subtle or maybe uncomfortable information that helps you make better choices about how to deal with what's going on. I would, you know, just start asking questions and seeking other people's ideas and creating an environment where we're not beating each other up, but we're like, you know, like listening and thinking about what might be a good approach. And then always taking an iterative approach to it. Let's try this and see what happens. You know, like how how big a bet can we place right now? And then let's learn from it and not thinking that we have to have the answer. We just, Mm -hmm. you know, we, in coaching, we say that the outcome of a good coaching conversation is meaningful action, which may not be the answer. It's just learning. So it's like, what's the first thing that we can crack here? What's the first top knot we can untie and what will we learn from it? And then let's do it again. And that kind of approach helps us sort of narrow down the challenge, feel confident that we can learn as we go, build trust in, our, in each other that we can you know, tackle whatever this thing is. I've studied coaching a little bit. I'm, I'm an ACC. So You're an ACC. You I'm a baby a coach. Bit. I just got in there. So that's- <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, thanks. 
the methodology from ICF, like the PCC requirements and all that stuff, they're very lengthy. There's a lot of them that are in there to be built in. But what you're explaining doesn't really sound like it sounds like those have been condensed, not necessarily gone away, just condensed. Am I reading that right? The International Coach Federation, as I know it, and um, focuses more on coaching engagements and longer coaching conversations and coaching. Uh, okay. So those are different. Mm-hmm. Like coaching, I'm talking about coaching as a leadership style and a way of life. Just as background, maybe I can just share with you why I did that. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. So, you know, my background was in large scale change. So I came out of an MBA program, got hired into um, an international group that does large scale change management. Actually, it was really process engineering back in the early 90s. And I happened to get on like the largest change management project the world had seen at that point. It was huge. (laughs) Um, And I got to sit at the top of it. And I was overseeing like the people part part of it. So I'm watching how I'm like watching change as a system, watching how it happens and also watching where it gets stuck, which is like when people got scared, everything would just like halt and, and Mm -hmm. it would be hard to make things happen. So fast forward, you know, after I left that job and was told I was unhirable as I said, (laughs) and had found coaching, um, you know, and started my own coaching practice. As soon as I was coaching people, I found I was just constantly coaching them to take a coaching approach to their day-to-day challenges. I'm like, well, why don't you ask a question? (laughs) Why don't you get a little curious about how the other person's thinking about this? And I was just like one at a time was just training everyone to adopt a coaching-based approach to thinking about leadership in life. What happened was I was, I watched them and as people, you know, took this approach to their day-to-day interactions, change started to happen. Wow. You know, they started to be able to talk about the things that really mattered, things they couldn't do before they could do together. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> this is what makes change work is our ability to actually like get curious about things and have conversation with each other. So that was what inspired me to figure out how to take the essence of what makes coaching really work and turn it into a process. Um, actually, the challenge I put myself to was, could I turn the essence of what made coaching work into um, an approach that could be used by anybody, anywhere in the world, in any conversation, at any time to resolve anything? And it took me five plus years to do, but that's what untying the knot is. And it's been used around the world. It's been used by thousands of people globally. And what makes it work is that it's just in the moment. It's a way of thinking like a coach in the moment and using the tools that coaches use to ignite insights in um, coaching engagements, but to use them in day-to-day settings with anybody, anywhere. So I have a really different point of view on, and that's not to, uh, how would I say this? One of the ways I express it is like, I can give people a toolkit that can help them take care of most of their day-to-day challenges. Like by the time um, leaders have gone through our coaching in the moment and feedback in the moment process, they have a really solid like toolkit that can help them to address most challenges they'll meet in the flow of work. And then, but like any toolkit, you know, like if you have home repairs, there's always stuff that exceeds like, yes. that, you know, what the toolkit yeah. can do. And that's when you get the professional, right? And I, that's mm-hmm. how I think of coaching. It's like, if we give ah, everybody a toolkit that allows them to take care of their day-to-day home repairs, you know, or, you know, conversations in the moment, there's still things, you know, when 
when you want a leader to really grow, you know, to the next level, or they're facing a particular challenge, or they've just shifted, you know, to a new role, those are great times to bring in professional coaches who have the ability to run a full engagement and invest. That's when I think the investment in professional mm-hmm. coaching really pays pays off well. Um, that sounds like it. Yeah. So, so Does, that's yeah. my point of view. <laughs> no, no, I, I really like that. That's really good. Uh, and it really helps me clarify the distinction between the two. Um, you know, I like the toolbox because if I need a, a little screwdriver to fix my glasses, I don't necessarily need a power drill. That works out really well from that aspect. So thank you. Thanks for taking the time to explain that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So earlier you mentioned about asking questions in the moment, listening in the moment, and resolving concerns and all that stuff. How does a leader shift his his or her mindset from, I'm going to use the term, people might not like it, but the the afraid dictatorial mindset to a more inquisitorial mindset? Mm -hmm. Well, here's how we teach it. We say, use that you know, that we call it problem solving. That's our, our description for that approach to leadership. So we say, okay. we say problem solve things, coach people. So if it's a technical, um, tactical issue, it responds very well to a linear logical approach. But okay. if it is a human being that has the potential to learn, to grow, and whose creativity and resilience and commitment you're looking for, well, you coach them. <laughs> and <laughs> we say the artistry of leadership is being able to do both of these things together and to use them seamlessly, you know, mm. um, and they're both tools. They both have their place, but the challenge we have right now is most of our leaders, you know, only have that kind of, you know, iron fist tool. Correct. <laughs> and, and so um, what we're looking for is a balance of the two. Well, that, that iron fist, that iron fist control, that's really easy to do. And, and it sounds, you know, it takes, you said it was artistry. So melding the leadership aspect with the technical aspect to the, the human aspect together mm-hmm. is, is an art at that point. How much time does it take for a person on average to learn to be able to use those, those tools, the coaching and make that into a valid art form? I don't want to say art form, but uh, <laughs> make it, <laughs> you know, make it work. Yeah. So here's a, well, here's a slightly different way of looking at it. So what you're actually doing is rewiring the neural net, right? You're okay. like, we think about, we, we talk about it as being no different than learning like um, a new sport or a new art. Um, okay. You know, when you begin, you have, you learn the, the movements and, you know, the basics, and then you have to go out and try the thing. Um, in order to make the connections. So it's mm-hmm. the more you try it, the more connections you get, the more confidence you have that this new approach would work. So, ah, um, okay. yeah. So, I mean, at, at Cillian, we can in like, we have one day workshops where we can lay up, the, lay down the basic structure of this and change someone's worldview. So they understand the value of taking a coaching approach to them personally. Um, mm-hmm. And they have the basics of a model that works really well. But so to change analogies on you, what I say to them is I just, we just framed a house for you, but if you don't do the work to go out and practice and try it, you know, and work with it, you'll never live in this house. Cause you have to, you got to put the rest of the stuff up, you know, like <laughs> you got to put the planks up, you know, and then you get to decorate it to, you know, make it your own. And that process of learning it, 
the amount of time it takes depends on how dedicated people are. Uh, Again, it's no different than learning a sport. If I lackadaisically go in, you know, if I watch a basketball video, but never pick up a ball and, you know, <laughs> like I'm not going to do anything on the court, but if I go to the camp, I go through the drills, I come home and I'm, you know, on the, my driveway every night shooting hoops and trying new things. Well, I'm going to get really good, really fast. So it's just a question of how quickly you build enough connections in your brain to be able to trust this new way of doing things. So my little mind's been blown. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's been blown up at this point. And on one side, people don't want to hear that you have to put in time and practice. But on the other hand, they do because they want to be the best. And you can't just be born that way and magically happen. It's very few people that have that level of natural talent. So putting it in that perspective of you can learn it as fast as you want, depending on how much effort and work you put into it really helps out and solidifies that for other things that they're learning too. Well, yeah. Really awesome piece of advice. Thanks. Sure. Well, and the point I would make is, you know, our, our problem solving or whatever, you know, traditional approach to leadership, take a look at how much training you've had to do that. (laughs) You know, you didn't like roll out of bed and like, that's what you did. You've had like thousands and thousands of dollars, probably hundreds of hours has been spent training people and build, Mm -hmm. you know, to lead in that way and building systems to reinforce that approach to leadership. And this is, you know, quite different. Just an extra piece of that. It just doesn't have to cost as much in time and in time is what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, Because you're doing all those online trainings and all those classes. Those take forever to get through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and and also it depends. How would I say, you know, like it's, it's okay just to have the toolkit version, like getting certified, you know, mm-hmm. you and I have certification, we put hundreds of hours into it. You know, we've done hundreds of hours of practice. I mean, you know, we are dedicated to being masterful in this mm-hmm. thing, but you don't have to be masterful to get great value from it. Again, like people buy different kinds of toolkits too. You know, you have a little toolkit that only has like five things and, you know, that, or you can buy the big toolkit. <laughs> so you, you, you choose your toolkit, but any toolkit that you're willing to learn how to use will, de- will deliver value for sure. Awesome. Thank you. So we've covered a lot of ground so far in our conversation. And I want to take this chance to say thanks again. I've probably said thank you too many times, so <laughs> I'll, I'll keep doing it anyway. With all the ground that we've covered so far, sure. what's something we missed? Hmm. Well, I, I don't know if it's missed um, or even I'm, – I'm just going to put it out there because it's, it's something I think which is really important, which is I think a really important part of being able to – make the the most of it in the moment situation, you know, whether it's a challenge in leadership or, or whatever you're facing is the ability to recognize that fear is present and to actually give that attention through your coaching. And I think one of the things that many people don't recognize or understand is that fear is very personal. How I express fear versus how you express fear or anybody else could be quite, quite different. 
Mm-hmm. And often we only recognize the pattern that we're familiar with, but we might not. So the person who gets angry might not recognize the quiet person as being frightened or, you know, the person that is just getting busy doing something else might not recognize that's just a defensive behavior. So I think one of the most important things for leaders to learn is to recognize the many faces of fear and to understand how to use coaching approaches to illuminate what the fear is and use coaching approaches to help people walk through it. Because that's what we're having to do more and more. Our emergencies and our challenges um, are just putting people into a fearful place. And one of the things that really drives me about bringing coaching to the world is I believe it's the best and most effective way to help people metabolize fear into learning Mm -hmm. and new ways of doing things and new ways of being. And that is what, if if there's one thing I could give to every person (laughs) in the world, it would be that ability to recognize fear and, and to help each other walk through our fears into new and better ways of doing things. So I think that that, is awesome. (laughs) It's awesome because I've never heard anybody put it exactly like that. And, and in all the years and all the coaching, uh, all the, excuse me, all the leadership training, management training I've had, they've never mentioned that. Uh, it's the they don't mention thing. that. It is the biggest thing. And, the, and it's becoming most so, so obvious right now. In fact, oh, I would say to peel back so many of the things that we're talking about, whether it's quiet quitting, not being able to hire people, not being able to adjust our, um, you know, supply chains when things happen. If you look underneath what's causing so much of these disconnects, it's actually either fear um, or mm-hmm. fearful leadership approaches have been used that have caused people to feel disengaged or disenfranchised um, or not supported, um, or they're not contributing the best they have to offer to resolve things because they feel fearful about what might happen. I mean, th- this is the this is the challenge that we all all face. Um, and it is our shared best interest to learn how to help each other to move through fear. That's that seems that to me, to me, if you're in that moment as a leader, as a friend, as a family member, whatsoever, coworker, and you get on that level where you can help them identify and find ways to overcome and work through their fear, that that relationship gets cemented to a level that when those instances come, the emergency mm-hmm. moments come, they're willing to, I was in the military, so go on the front lines with you at that point. Sure. To use a military term, they would do that. Yes. That's what I'm, that's what I'm understanding. Am I on the right track? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the more we help people move through their fear, the more confidence they gain, the more um, trust they, they have with the people who help them. And, and that is how we collectively realize our shared potential. If there was ever a moment in time when we need to realize our collective shared potential, <laughs> it would be here now with yes. uh, everything that is happening in the world. I think that's the gift that coaching gives. Because here's the thing. I can't walk myself. Each of us has our fears and each of us, uh, mm-hmm. us has our blind spots. And when we all have coaching uh, capabilities, we help each other. Like Mm. I can help people walk through theirs, but then people come back and help me walk through mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because 
if we knew what to do, we would have done it already. Yeah, I think coaching is the way we, we operationalize that day to day. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, especially when we get into that talk of fear, because that's pretty rampant right now. It's our challenge and our opportunity, as we say in coaching. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so thank you so much for talking with us. Before we go, we have a couple. Uh, I have a couple last questions for you. Okay. The next question, and probably one of the most important questions to me, may not be to anybody else, but to me, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Oh, I want to make coaching a way of life for the world. I am okay. very dedicated to bringing coaching to the world as a shared language that will help us to have the conversations we need to have to take advantage of this moment, which mm -hmm. um, I, I personally think we are in a unique moment when the past is not a possibility, we can only move forward. And if we enter into a shared con coaching conversation about what we want that new future to look like, I think it could be much better than the past we're leaving behind. And so I'm really dedicated to making coaching mm -hmm. a way of life for the world. In order to fulfill that legacy, what are your current projects that you're working on that you'd like to share with anyone, anyone that's listening, watching? <laughs> what do you have going on that can help us meet that legacy? Well, let's see. Probably the, the biggest one right now is I'm really putting a much more emphasis on my speaking career. So looking okay. for more opportunities um, to be talking with more people about the kind of conversation you and I are having here today. Mm -hmm but in, you know, super practical ways that people can use. So really focused on, on bringing that into the world. Um, I'm also working on a book that will share a lot of these ideas that I've been talking about again in, in simple ways, but it's really making the business case for why mm -hmm. we need to create safe and seen coaching cultures. I'm working on that too. Awesome. When, if you don't mind me asking, what's your projected release date? We expect to see this book. <laughs> I'm really hoping that it comes out next year. I'm hoping. I've been working on this for a very long time, but um, well, good. I, I think the pieces are coming together. So hold a good thought for me. <laughs> that's, that's my intention. <laughs> good. Well, well, I'll look for it next year, probably before then too. You might get it done early. Oh well, no pressure. No not, pressure. Not going to happen this year. That's for sure. <laughs> We're almost out of this year. <laughs> That's true. We are. Thanks so much for talking with us. Thanks so much for taking time out of your, your day to talk to me and to answer some of my questions. You really helped me have some the light bulb moments that you were talking about. Thank you so much for taking time to talk well, with me today. Thanks for inviting me, Gary. It's uh, been a real pleasure and I'm wishing you all the best with your, uh, with your research work. Wow. Talking with Diana was terrific. She has a wealth of knowledge and insight to help any leader move forward in a more positive direction. In today's discussion, we found several hidden treasures regarding coaching as a leadership style. Diana shared how she co-created the Leading with Insight model. When coaching is done in three phases, it leads to lasting change. The coach leader must set a clear intention or a stretch goal, help the person build skills in something important to them, and then have them do something meaningful with those skills to solidify the change behavior and the learning process. Diana also shared her definition of coaching, which is 
a translation of insight into meaningful action to realize potential. In this context, coaching takes on a whole new meaning as a leadership style. Leaders can use coaching to create a learning environment where the insight can be used for meaningful and positive change. This is quite a different view from the traditional and standard-issue Darth Vader leadership approach. Additionally, Diana explained that leaders that use coaching as a leadership style can gain the most benefits when they use curiosity and questions to analyze the leverage points where they can make the most change. Once they've identified the change points, they must approach change as an experiment, not the end-all solution. Simply put, let's see if this works, and if it does, let's do it. If it doesn't, let's try something different. She also laid out a straightforward process for dealing with emergencies and handling fear. Leaders must get centered and become an island of calm, be reassuring, and constantly gather information. As they collect data, meaningful action steps will appear, and avenues of change will be revealed. Lastly, and possibly the most important, leaders must learn to recognize fear and acknowledge that it is always present, although it manifests differently for everyone. We must give it attention and identify the fear, then use coaching principles to help them walk through that fear. Wow. If, if you found as many treasures that I did on this excursion with Diana Anderson, please join me next time as I continue to hunt for leadership treasures in my worldwide expedition.